this the message tonight, the smart people should be preaching it, but the smart people were all busy, and I don't claim to be one of the smart people, but God uh, did something in our life. He gave us a little boy that had what the world called a genetic flaw, um, and I want to talk to you about a little bit about the idea of, of flawed genetics. The word gene wasn't used in our vocabulary until about 1913. That's when they invented the word gene. The human body is made up of 23 chromosomes, and each one of those chromosomes contains several hundred genes. And according to evolutionary science, which that's all that terminology comes from, that's, how, that's what makes us. That's how we, what creates us, our genetics. And supposedly that is inherited down from our from our family, from our, our, our parents or so-called, more or less it's evolutionary science. It's uh, the chance that we got here, this, gen- this, genet- this genetic issue here, this issue here. Our little boy Luke was, um, and I'll get to the message here in just a minute, but I'm going to go ahead and use this, explain this part. Um, when we have one of these ultrasounds, you know, and I'm not even sure if I like all that stuff or not, but. We had this ultrasound, and the doctors looked and said, now, look, if you see here, there's this little problem here. They said in his nose, this little bridge, it's flat. And they said, now, that could be a genetic issue like Down syndrome or something like that. And, you know, it was, no, it was a little bit some concern, and then they have to go into all this stuff about that. And so that was no big deal. One day, uh, Jess had a lot of, while she was pregnant with Luke, had a lot of problems going on, a lot of issues, and we had to go in and out of the hospital. And. One day the doctor came in, her doctor, the baby's doctor came in and, and uh, said, we see a problem on the, on the baby's heartbeat. There's something wrong. And so that was a little more of an issue. So we went to another doctor and when we got there. This doctor was a real pain in the head and uh, actually opposite of the head. But uh, he, this, this doctor knew everything. He, he was a, a, you know. Uh, he looked at the test, he did tests, he came back, he had all kinds of stuff wrong with the little, our boy. Really the point of wondering, is he going to survive? Will he, will, will he survive birth? What, what's going to happen? So they came to us with this idea of a thing that, um, honestly, I was against then, I'm against now, I don't, I don't believe it's necessary. But they said uh, you could do genetic testing uh, in, in, uh, in the womb to see uh, what the genetic issue is. I consented to that. We talked about it and consented to it because there are some issues that are you can find out that would say, you know, little boy, he's not going to live. I mean, there are some genetic issues that are known to science that uh, might live an hour, might live a week, might live a day. It was obvious he's going to have to have surgery, heart surgery. I didn't want him to have to have heart surgery immediately after he was born knowing that he wasn't going to live. I just would rather take him home and hold him and love him and have him with us for a few days or a week or so as I would to have to have him go and have open-heart surgery when he's not going to live. So I wanted to make that decision. They came back and said that there's a uh, genetic chromosome disorder. Uh, I have it written down here somewhere, the, the, the long arm of uh, the short branch of the left uh, brain a chromosome eight is what it was, and as a duplication of the chromosomes, there's a short arm and a long arm of the chromosomes 
arms or the chromosomes, genetics, or there's two bands, two strands. And so what that was, we didn't really know. We, we began to research it and look after it. There's very little information on it. We found this, this neat little thing. There was a little boy born the very same day that I was born. And he had this genetic thing, and he had a heart problem, and he died, I think, about six months old. And if, if you don't fix the heart issue, then there's no hope for the baby living. And so we, uh, Luke was born, and at first they thought, they thought, well, maybe this heart problem's not as bad as it, what it is, but he, he wouldn't eat. And so they would try to, try to feed him. He wouldn't nurse. He just wouldn't go along with that. So they fed him through a tube, tried to put some weight on him. Finally, he decided he was going to have to have heart surgery real early on. So he had the heart surgery. He did well with that. But all that to say, that, that kind of taught us and, and introduced us to the idea of what the world calls genetic birth defects. Now I want to talk to you about the Bible here, if I could. And again, I wish there was a smart person to talk to you about this. But um, I'm, I'm the one that's here that's going to talk about it. The text we read, if you'll go back to it just for a minute. Dear Heavenly Father, please bless tonight. Lord, I'm, I'm not trying to be smart. Lord, I'm not trying to impress anybody. Lord, I just want to, to help the folks that are here, the families, the moms and the dads. Uh, Lord, I just want to uh, hit the reset button tonight and remind myself and remind us here, God, that you're the creator, that you're in charge, Lord God, that you're in control. We live in a world today, uh, God, where man rejects your existence, Lord, where uh, the scientists of our day deny the Creator. And so God, help us, Lord, to be aware of that tonight, to be reminded of it tonight. And Lord, help us not to be intimidated by that foolishness. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Genesis chapter 3, there's a conversation here between uh, Satan and Eve, the wife of Adam, and fellows, remember that. The Bible says, wherefore, as by one man. I really believe what that verse is saying, in a way, it's talking about man as a sentry, as a guard. Satan found Eve whenever she was alone, I believe, and over time, tempted and worked on her heart and her mind, eventually persuaded her to partake of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. It's our duty, it's our job to be mindful of those things, to be protectors, to know what kind of influence is going on in our homes and and the devil, he's going to work on your wife. He's going to work in your home. He's going to work on your family. He's going to try to influence your children and your wife and try to turn their mind away from God. And so we need to be vigilant about those things. And somehow or another, Adam, uh, I don't know where he was at. I, I don't think he was there the first time Satan came along. But at one time, uh, he was there and she partook of the tree, the knowledge of good and evil. And um, uh uh, Adam went along with the plan. He, he hearkened, the Bible said he hearkened to the voice of his wife two times. You see a man obeying his wife, and there was trouble both times. Abraham hearkened to the voice of his wife. Adam hearkened to the voice. That word hearken means to give ear or to lend the ear or to obey. It means to do to obedience. That doesn't mean we don't uh, respect one another's opinions, but uh, we don't. We, fellas, be careful. If you've got to obey your wife, amen, that's, that's reversing the orders. It's not supposed to be that way, amen. And so, but you see that Satan came here in chapter number four, if you look at it, it says, the serpent said unto the woman, you shall not surely die. You shall not surely die. Well, what is he saying? The Bible says the wages of sin is death. When we go out soul winning, we say, wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and so death 
passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. The Bible says, sin, when it's finished, bringeth forth death. Amen. The Bible, we know that uh, in the early days of the Bible and creation, man lived Methuselah. Someone tell me how old was Methuselah? How long did he live? Someone tell me. 969 years. That's a long time. Can you imagine that? I don't think he was weak. I think he was strong. The Bible says, I think no, Moses was 120 years old and his eyes were not dim and his natural force was not abated. You know what that meant? That meant don't mess with Moses at 120 years old. He might whip your tail. Amen. Hey, listen, Moses was 120 years old and he was still a man. Amen. I mean, look, you think about that. I mean, God told Abraham. He said, your wife's going to conceive. And, and Abraham said, I'm 100 years old. He said, well, she's going to conceive. I can just see Abraham that day leaving work. And so he said, fellas, i got to go home. i got a promise from God. Amen. And Abraham, he headed out early that day. But listen, and I'm, just, I'm just telling you, I, I, I read the Bible in a different mentality than everybody else. But, uh, but Moses, 120 years old. So we know that uh, Methuselah, 969 years. And then God said that his spirit would not always strive with man. And so he kind of cut it down there to about, a hundred and some years, 120 years. And, and now, uh, now we, we live, if, if you live to be 70 years old, if you live to be 80 years old, if you live to be 90, that's old. But that used to not be old. Uh, that used to just be a short time. That was, they were just getting started. People were just getting married at 60 and 70 years of age. They were just getting going in life. But here uh, we see that Satan said to Eve, he said, you shall not surely die. And then notice what he said in verse number five, for God doth know, God doth know. Listen to that, the arrogance of Satan. God doth know that in the day ye eat thereof, then your eyes shall be open and ye shall be what? As God's, knowing good and evil. Satan said to Eve, he said, now look, he said, God just using this thing, kind of putting it over your head, saying, don't eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. He's scaring you with death. He's saying to you that you're going to die if you do it. Now, you're not going to die. You're, God's lying to you. And listen, um, evolutionary science, and, and I use that word evolutionary because there is some place for science, for study of God's creation. But anything that's contradictory to God's creation is wicked and vile. Normally, it's the product of some reprobate minded uh, a, a scientist, someone who's rejected the truth of the word of God. And listen, that's what problem you get into when you get into schools, when you get into public schools. That's why we we can't really put our kids in those schools, because we can't have someone standing up and teaching evolution, denying the creator, denying God. I mean, denying the fact that this book right here is the word of God. We cannot be have people teaching our ch children that reject the word of God. Amen. And so that's what Satan is saying. He said, God said, you're going to die. He just doesn't want you to be wise. He doesn't want you to have the knowledge of good and evil. He doesn't want you to be like him. He doesn't want you to be a God. So in verse number six, and when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was pleasant to the eyes and a tree to be desired to do what? To make one wise. To make one wise, she took of the fruit thereof and did eat and gave also unto her husband with her, and he did eat. So what is it, what is it that man wants to do? He wants to be smart. And the other thing is that man wants to do is he wants to figure out a way to, to deny God, to uh, uh, get skirt God's rules. The Bible says the wages of sin is death. So the evolutionist says there is no God. 
Uh, there's no God. There's no creator. We reject that. A man's a result of evolutionary uh, science. Uh, he just there was a big bang, whatever else, spoofal dust, whatever else you want to say, all these different theories. And it's all theoretical, but they want to uh, throw all these different theories out at us. And so uh, we know that God created man. We know that. So uh, man, though, wants to be smarter than God. Man wants to figure out how to better himself. Matter of fact, today, uh, the evolutionist is not arguing where we came from. The evolutionist today is arguing where we're going. They've already come to the place, and I believe the Bible says their foolish heart is darkened. I believe that most of them, as I said a moment ago, are reprobate. They've rejected God. They've walked away from the truth. They've rejected the Word of God. And so today, they're not looking back and arguing about where we came from. They're arguing about where we're going. There is a literal movement today among some of these people that they think that they can reach a state where we don't die anymore. They're called transhumanists. The transhumanists. We've got this fellow, Bill Gates, that runs around. And Bill Gates, he's going to dim the sun right now. And uh, listen, he's going to use Pepto-Bismol, sodium bicarbonate. And in dust form, they're going to put it in balloons. And he's doing this junk right now. They're going to dim the sun, the solar system. You know, that same nut, Bill Gates, owns most of the farmland in America. He owns the majority of the farmland in America. He just keeps buying it up. Why? Because he thinks that we can engineer all of our food somewhere and a plant somewhere. We don't need to grow our food. God said right there in that verse that we just read a moment ago in that chapter that we would uh, sow the seed and work the ground. And that's where our food comes from. But man says, no, we can't do that. That's not sustainable. We can, we're going to dim the sun because the sun's our enemy and the sun's killing us. So we're going to put a cloud in the sky and dim the sun and live in a dome like a bunch of dummies. And we're going to create our own food. Why? That's the that's the brazen mind of man that says there is no God. And there, there's no need to allow ourselves to be burned up by the sun. We don't have to depend on the earth to provide our food. We'll make our food. We'll engineer our food in the lab somewhere. We're the scientists. We're the minds. We're the ones responsible for life and death. Just like Satan, you shall be as gods. Man, the smarter he gets, the dumber he gets. The smarter we get, the stupider we become. And so here's... What, what we're looking at here tonight, this idea of genetics, it's not a new thing. This fellow Plato, uh, the, the philosopher, he was reprobate and vile and filthy. But 400 years before Christ uh, walked on the face of this earth, Plato came out with a book called Plato's Republic. And in his, in his book, he said this, weak parents should not procreate because their children would inherit their inferior qualities. They would have no strength to lead a meaningful life or in any way contribute to the state. So Plato was saying, we need to determine who's having the babies and who's not having the babies. That's what this uh, eugenics, this Sanger, Margaret Sanger, and I don't mean to just keep throwing this stuff out at you, but listen, she was, she was a racist. All this stuff is racist. She wanted to eliminate, she wanted to keep black people from having babies because she said they were inferior to the race. Nobody tells this stuff anymore. They don't talk about it in the schools anymore, but it's the truth. It's the wicked, vile mind of man that rebels against God that says, you know what? We have to figure out. It's on us. We have to figure Figure out how to extend our race. Ultimately, their idea is how can we get around this thing where God says the wages of sin is death. 
How can we reject the truth of the Word of God? How can we eliminate that? Listen, and so the transhumanist mind says, how can we figure out a way to eliminate illness? How can we figure out a way to limit and to get rid of genetic, genetic defects in little babies? And how can we live forever? There's a man named Jamie Metzel. I have no idea who he was until I started studying him. But I found out that Metzl served the Clinton administration. He served as director for multilateral and humanitarian affairs for the National Security Council, working for Clinton and his administration. Uh, he was uh, senior coordinator for the International Public Information, and he was deputy staff director of the Senate Foreign Relations Committee under then-Senator Joe Biden, who still thinks he's senator because he doesn't know who he is. And he's also an advisor to the World Health Organization. Now, the reason, one reason I preach this tonight is because these fellows are more brazen and bold than they've ever been. They've been, for the last year, they've been saying, listen, folks, follow the science. Obey the science. And this, this, this boldness just gets greater and greater every single day. And so now we have people that uh, elevate science over the Word of God. We have whole churches full of people that sit in there and they, they pay more allegiance to Fauci and the doctors and the scientists and they do the preaching of the Word of God. And brother, listen, that whole crowd is anti-Christ. That whole crowd is anti-God. And God's people need to call it what it is. It's a rebellion against God. It's man saying, ye shall not surely die. You can live forever. You don't have to be subject to the laws of God. You don't have to obey God. That's what, you know, the, the research and the science behind the uh, new vaccine. I'm not telling you whether or not to do that or not. That's your choice. You can be stupid or dumb or whatever you want to be. But listen, it, messenger RNA, messenger RNA, they'll say to you, now, it doesn't invade the cells. It doesn't invade the nucleus. Brother, that's a lie. It has to invade the nucleus for it to be messenger RNA. It invades the nucleus of your DNA and then goes out into your body as RNA and tells your body how to react if you get sick. You know, God already told your body how to react if you get sick. You have an immune system, amen? Now, if you destroy your immune system, that's your fault. But listen, God's given us an immune system and the ability to fight off sickness. But man says, you know what? The work of God's not good enough. It's not, it's not getting the job done. So we, there is, we need to figure out a way to make it better. And everything man touches gets worse. Amen. Hey, listen, that's why we don't need men telling us how to run our homes. We don't need the world telling us how to run our churches. And listen, they don't know as much as they think they know about hell. Because they think that man can live forever. This fellow Metzl has written a book. The title of his book is Hacking Darwin, Genetic Engineering and the Future of Humanity. You say that's, preacher, why are you even, get, there's no credence to that. I don't know if anybody's ever heard the name Sanjay Gupta. Sanjay Gupta is the chief medical person. I mean, him and the Fauci dude are right there together. Sanjay Gupta is looked at as the voice of medicine. He wrote the foreword, part of the foreword to the book. By Metzl, Hacking Darwin, the future, genetic engineering and the future of humanity. And here's what Sanjay Gupta said. In many ways, Jamie Metzl has been preparing Hacking Darwin for the last 20 years and his diligence shines through. He says, Jamie is a gifted writer and his explanation of genetics are crisp 
accurate and wonderfully engaging. He said, if you can only read one book on the future of our species, this is it. That's Sanjay Gupta. That's the fellow that the presidents listen to. That's the fellow that they tout out there and put on the news and say, this fellow is the voice of medicine. He says the one book that's the most important book you can read on the future of our species is a book, Hacking Darwin and Genetic Science. This fellow, Ray Kurzweil, inventor and futurist, author uh, himself, says that this book is an outstanding guide to the most important conversation of our lives. Now, this is... This is the world we're talking about, how we humans will hijack our evolutionary process and transcend the limits of our own biology. This is the world. This is the foolish heart. This is the product of Genesis chapter number three. This is the, the, the this is the fulfillment. Listen, this group of people are saying, you know what, man, uh, Satan is right. You shall not surely die. We're figuring out how to keep from dying. That's their ultimate goal. They say, we're not going to live to be, you know, forever, but we're going to figure out how to live to be four, five hundred, six hundred years old. Eric Garcetti, the mayor of Los Angeles, you can imagine he's a bright one. He said this, genetic technologies contain extraordinary promise and breathtaking challenges with the potential to change virtually every aspect of our lives. This is the country we live in. In the pages of Hacking Darwin, Jamie Mitchell uses, uh, uh, t- takes us on an, a critical journey through opportunities and obstacles on humanity's greatest expedition, the exploration and reimagining of what it means to be human. Sounds to me like Satan has his crowd, doesn't it? You listen. You say, "Well, Satan's brain—he's going to brainwash them. He's already brainwashed them." You understand tonight, I'm trying to show you that there's a real enemy and there's a horde of followers and the great minds in our society, the so-called smart people. Listen, if you homeschool your children, don't think that you're doing them a disservice. The only hope of your children is for moms and dads to educate them. Hey, God is a God of knowledge. Knowledge is not a bad thing, but knowledge apart from this book right here is a terrible, wicked thing. It's a big deal. Don't ever feel as a parent that you're doing your children children a disservice by not having them in a stinking public school where they're being influenced by people like this, people that deny God and reject God, and children don't ever feel like that your mom and dad are hurting you or limiting you because they don't have you under the influence of people like that. I wouldn't want to spend five seconds, I wouldn't want my dog to sit and listen to one of these nuts. I can just imagine my dog walking in and trying to teach me something after he heard one of these psychos. And listen, I'm telling you tonight, we need to understand what's going on. Uh, this, uh, this fella here, Richard Clark, best-selling author of Warnings, former White House national security official, said this. Humans taking control of human evolution is happening now. And it could be the most significant thing we have done since we learned how to make and use fire. That doesn't even make sense. When history looks back on this period, talking about now, it will not focus on the shiny objects that grab the attention of media today, but rather on the tech breakthroughs that Metzl explains the attention uh, in such clear language, hacking Darwin is essential reading if you want to understand what will be seen as the most important thing happening in this epoch. What he's, he's saying, he's talking about 
really the technology that's being used behind the new vaccines, which is not vaccines, but it's a cellular therapy. It's a, an experimental therapy trying to teach your body how to fight viruses. A lot of it, the whole idea behind it, really, is to teach you to not get sick so you can live forever and not die. You shall not surely die. The whole idea is science saying, we've been telling you for years this book's not true. Yet you bunch of Christians down there, you insist on going to church and you just keep reading your Bible. And you and now, now, now for some reason you don't want us to educate your children. Go ahead and give us your children. Let us educate them. Let us train them. We're not going to hurt them, but they, they will hurt your children. They will destroy them. Why? Because they deny God and they deny the science of the Word of God and they reject the truth of God. And so now they've reached the state where they reject God and reject God's Word. And now they're so brazen and bold to believe that they found the key to live forever. Well, you know what? I hate to tell them this, but we've got the key to live forever. Take your Bible with me and turn to 2 Timothy, if you would, just for a minute. 2 Timothy chapter number 1. Paul is writing here to Timothy. And uh, I want you to see something just for a minute. I want to wrap this thing up just as quick as I can. Um, 2 Timothy chapter number 1. Verse number 7. He says, For God hath not given us the what? Well, who, if, where we got the spirit of fear come from? It didn't come from God. Amen. God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a what? A sound mind. You know what a sound mind is? A rational mind. you understand this? Listen, a sound mind realizes that man is born with a death sentence. It's appointed to man once to die, and after this, the judgment. I live, and you live, in a sin-cursed body. We'll take a little, a little baby and say, well, look, he's got a genetic defect. Well, guess what? You know who else has genetic defects? I have some. I'm a hillbilly for one, amen? Matter of fact, that may not be a defect. That might be a blessing, amen? I don't know. But listen, hey, you, you take that and, and they'll say, well, you got flaw. The whole creation is flawed. Listen, man is conceived in sin. Man is born dying. The only hope for man is what Jesus Christ did on the cross. That's why as soul winners and as Christians, we have the answer the world is looking for. We ought to be intimidated by a bunch of scientists that reject the truth of the Word of God. We ought not be uh, put down by that stuff. Don't be intimidated by that stuff. We have the truth. They do not. Young people, thank God tonight that you have a godly home. Parents, don't be intimidated. And listen, don't shrink from their duty. Don't shrink back. Don't fall back from it. Listen, teach your children this book right here. And, and don't think that we're doing them a disservice. We're not doing them a disservice. We're doing for them the greatest service we can ever do by keeping them out from under the influence of wicked, reprobate minds. We're teaching them the truth. Look what Paul said. A sound mind. Be not thou therefore ashamed of the testimony of our Lord. This is what I'm telling you. 
nor of me, his prisoner, but be thou partaker of the afflictions of the gospel according to the what? The power of God. Verse number nine, who hath saved us and called us with an holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which he hath given us in Christ Jesus before the world began. Now notice verse number 10. But is now made manifest by the appearing of our Savior, Jesus Christ, who hath what? What's it say? Abolish death. Hey, listen, Bill Gates. Listen, Jamie Metzl. Hey, listen, all you doctors and all you scientists and all you people that are scratching your head. There's a thing that took 15 years to create called the Human Genome Project. And I've got studies on it. I'm not going to get into it. Amen. And listen, you ought to be glad I don't because you'd lose your mind listening to it. But all the nations of the world collaborated on this thing called the Human Genome Project. Billions of dollars, upwards of five billions of dollars of United States taxpayer money was used to fund this project. And all the nations of the world came together to put together a model of the human genetic system. Now that we've got the human genome system, they came up with another thing called CRISPR. CRISPR-9. And that's a, that's a scientific medical uh, a procedure where they're able to go in and change the genetics. Now, they've experimented on this a few times, and every time they have, it's been awful, awful results have come from it. It's a terrible thing. But what it is, is it's leading to this idea of what they call designer babies. They're going to create the perfect baby, and they're going to create a humanity, and they're going to make a race that's not flawed, and a race that doesn't get sick. There'll be no more blindness. There'll be no more uh, deafness. There'll be no more uh, crippled babies born. They're going to fix all the things that are flawed in our evolution and evolutionary project. They're going to fix all these things. Why? Because there is no God. And if, if there is no God, then why should we sit around and wait on this imaginary God to fix our problems? There is no God. Man doesn't have to die. Man can live forever. It's up to us to figure out how to fix the problems that we have. Brother, you and I can't fix the problems. We can't do anything about sin. The only thing we can do is accept what Christ did for us. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. Without Christ, you're going to die and go to hell. The Bible says the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. I don't know about you, but I'm going to live forever. You know, as Christians, we're really weird. We come to church and sing about dying and smile while we do it. Some glad morning when this life is o'er, I'll fly away. Listen, uh, well, uh, what a day that'll be. You know what? You're not going to see that day until you die. Amen. Listen, I'm just saying that our life doesn't begin until we die. The Apostle Paul said, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? He wasn't trying to figure out how to live forever. He said, it'd be better for me to die today. The only reason I'm here is so I can preach the truth. The only reason we have to live here is so that we can sound the warning and tell others about Christ and rescue the perishing and care for the dying. But, brother, listen, when it's time for me to go, man, don't don't expect me to want to stick around here. You see, they want to fix all these problems. If, If they could have come along, they could have fixed my little boy. They could have fixed our little boy. The doctor said to my wife, this nut doctor... The other hospital, the university hospital, he said, I'm going to keep you here. And I'm going to monitor you here. And uh, Jess said, uh, why can't I go home? He said, let me tell you what you're saying. He said, what you're saying is, why can't I just go and let my baby die? 
Because if, if, you don't, if you don't stay here and let me monitor you and watch you, then you're just killing your baby. Well, I thought they were, I didn't know they minded about killing babies. But she said to him, she said, don't you think that's God's choice? He went and got the papers and kicked her out of the hospital. That was the end of that, that, that fella. See, doctors and scientists, they have a place and they're good to a point. But when they reach a point of God-like status, and we have to be aware of that. And we've come to a place in our nation today where the scientists have become emboldened. They're no longer in the shadows. They're going to, they're going to save our nation. Wear the mask. Save lives. Take the shot. Save lives. It's all you hear about. I'm trying to tell you tonight that this is the fruition. This is the, the, the product of a society that has taught evolution and denied God and rejected the Creator. And when you reject the Creator and you reject God and you deny the truth, it forms a void. And you've got to fill that void with man's knowledge and man's ability. And so now this human genome project and this CRISPR science and all these things, we're going to fix all the flaws. We're going to eliminate sickness. We're going to make it to where man can live hundreds of years. Well, then what? Then what? You're still going to die someday. Look what the Bible says in chapter 10. But is now made manifest by the appearing of our Savior, Jesus Christ, who hath abolished death and brought life and what? Immortality. Well, that's what they want. To be immortal. Can I tell you something? You're looking here tonight at an immortal. And if you're saved, I'm looking at an immortal. To be absent from the body is present with the Lord. Listen, this corruption must put on incorruption. This uh, mortal must put on immortality. It's going to happen just like that. I'm going to pass from death into life. I'll leave this whole body of decaying, dying flesh. And I'll put on a robe of glory. And I'll be likened to Him. My little boy, our little boy is not dead tonight. He's with the Lord. You say, what, what state is he in? He's in a good state. Amen. Don't ask me dumb questions. I don't know. I ain't never been to heaven. Amen. I don't know what people are doing. You say, what are they doing up there? I don't know. If I was up there, I wouldn't be down here with you. Amen. But I know one thing. They're in better shape than we are. They're with the Lord. I mean... The closest we can get to any of that stuff, and I'm not trying to just ramble tonight. There's so much stuff I want to tell you about this. I'm not trying to just ramble tonight, but I, I want you to know this. That there are no accidents with God. Psalm 139 says this, I will praise thee for I am fearfully and what? Wonderfully made. Now listen. Verse 14, marvelous are thy works that my soul knoweth right well. Listen, my substance, that means the, what the scientists call the genetics, your cells, who you are. My substance was not hid from thee when I was made in secret and curiously wrought. In the lowest parts of the earth. Thine eyes did see my substance, yet being unperfect. 
And in thy book all my members were written, which in continuance were fashioned, when as yet there was none of them. You know what the psalmist is saying? He said, I'm not a product of my mom and my dad. Yes, conception, you got to have a mom and a dad. But listen, when that, when that baby, when that seed and that baby is in the womb, it's God that begins to make work and He begins to create who you are. You and I tonight are a product of God's wisdom and God's mind. God made you what you are. God created you. As wicked as this fellow is, it grieves my heart that he was right. But years ago, years ago, Jesse Jackson used to go up to the projects in Chicago. And when he first started his Rainbow Push Coalition, he would stand up there, those little boys and girls in the projects. Eighty percent of them never knew who their father was. They were all told when they were born, they said, you were an accident. We didn't mean to, you didn't mean to have you. Your mama got pregnant. You were an accident. And as wicked as Jesse Jackson is, he was right when he told those boys and girls, you're not an accident. You're a part of the plan of God. I'm going to say something tonight, young people, you're not an accident. God has a purpose for your life. Your features, who you are, God made you. I'm done here. I want to tell you a little bit about Luke. That little, our little boy, he knew people. He, he knew different personalities of people. He was unique. The world called him genetically flawed. But there are people all over this world that got to know him and came to know. And you know, that little, that little boy has been used of God in a way that I'll never be used of God. I would say I've got a good mind, but I don't. But but my but I can speak, and you can speak, and all these things. But he was used of God in a unique way. You know, God made you how you are, and for a unique purpose. Science says we're going to fix all the problems, but I say, who are they? Who are they to tamper with what God does? This same group of people. They'd come to the mother and say, look, your baby's got a problem. It shouldn't be born. When I, my mother was pregnant with me, the doctor said, well, he's got a big forehead. You notice I had a big forehead. They said, um, he's probably mongoloid. Thanks a lot. Anything else you want to say? I'm listening in here. They said to my mom, they said, you're older. I used to get in fights with kids because they called my mom and my grandma, you know, and I'd hit them for that. That's not my grandma. My grand, my dad's not my grandpa, you, you know. Might be my uncle, but not my grandpa. But um, they said, you might want to contemplate an abortion. Isn't that wicked? My friend down in St. Louis, Daniel McCrillis, had a little baby, a little girl born with spina bifida. His little girl, they stay, some, most of the doctors in the city wouldn't even deal with him. They said, it's high risk. We, we just think you ought to just abort this baby. She's never going to be normal. She's never going to be right. His little girl, Joy, lived to be, I think, seven or eight years old. They had three boys. Listen to this. They had three boys after she was born. They said to his wife, you'll never have any more children. 
Then God gave them a little girl born on the very date of Joy's birthday, the exact same date as this little girl, beautiful little girl. But you know, that little girl was raised up in their family, in their home, and she influenced their lives and changed their lives and molded and made Dan and Krista who they are. My friend Andrew Steers, I mentioned this morning, his brother's perfectly normal, but he's lost on his way to hell. And Andrew's been used of God to reach hundreds of people for, the, for Christ for eternity. I'm telling you tonight, God knows what he's doing. The lost world rejects the truth of this book right here, and it's just going to get worse and worse and worse. Their foolish heart is darkened, and you and I tonight have the truth. We have the truth. Paul stood up at a place called Mars Hill, and he preached to the the wisest people around in Athens. And Paul, I believe, felt sorry for them. He said, let me tell you about this God whom you ignorantly worship. We should never be intimidated by lost folks. We should love them and care for them. Truth of the matter is, we ought to be empathetic toward them. They sit in front of the television. They listen to the so-called science. They listen to the news. They listen to the media. Somebody's got to go to them and say, there's hope. Let me tell you about immortality. Let me tell you about how you don't have to fear death. Hey, can I tell you how you can live forever? How you don't have to die and go to hell? Man, we've got the truth. Let's not act like we've been forced to go soul winning or forced to witness. Hey, we have what the world needs to hear. Amen. Dear Heavenly Father, I've got to stop. Lord, hopefully we've said something here to help. Uh, Lord, we see, dear God, just how much this stuff is coming to pass in our day and time. The churches, Lord, the Christians, the believers, these people, Lord, we've never been as important as we are tonight. Not because of who we are, but God, because of who you are. Lord, help us not to be discouraged, not to be disheartened. But God, help us to be bold in declaring the truth of the Creator. I'm glad tonight that you birthed us, you birthed me into this world. God, you give me life. And I'm glad tonight, Lord, that you gave me eternal life. But until that day comes when this life ends, Lord, help, help me to be a witness for you. And help these folks here tonight that are saved to be a witness for you. I pray for any here, Lord, or any of our loved ones. I pray for those that we know about, God, that are not saved. Lord, help us to go to them and warn them. We go out and meet strangers, Lord. Help us to realize, Lord, they're lost. They have no hope apart from Christ. Bless, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.